This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. I do love, love the dogs, dogs, which is funny because I grew up a cat person, but that's a whole different thing. Really? I would I did, yeah. Guess that. I did. I grew up a cat person, and then I, w- I did not become a dog person until stand by please hey everybody it's kai rizal welcome back to make me smart where we make today make sense it is friday today september the first and i'm kimberly adams and i just want to know when you became a dog person i became a dog person when uh, we got our first dog as a family it was gosh it's got to be like 15 years ago now so so my son but my oldest son turns 25 today so he was he was 10 years old when we got a dog uh and from there on i've been sunk dog wise I love dogs. I just don't like picking up after them, which is why I do cats. Yeah. Oh, that's fair. That's fair. I get that. I, I am the I am the designated picker-upper in my family. Yes, I have four children, and I'm the one who picks up the dog poop on walks and on the backyard. I don't know where I went wrong. And <sighs> see, like, I feel like if... When I was growing up, we did have a backyard, and we had a dog. And it's one thing if you have, like, the pooper scooper that's, like, the tall thing with the clamp. It's another thing oh, when yeah. you have to put your hand in the bag and touch the warm. Absolutely not. No, can't do it. Can't See do now? It. All right, this is getting a little far afield, and then we move on. I yes. think warm is better than cold. Really? It just, it, yeah, it just, it's easier to maneuver and get into the bag. So anyway, oh. what we're going to do on this podcast today, so, for those of you who are somehow still here, here <laughs> we're going to do some news. We're going to take a break. <laughs> then we're going to do a round of half full, half empty. And, uh, and that's, yeah. Okay. So anyhow, yes. uh, what are you drinking? What are you drinking? Did you make yourself something fancy? Uh, so... Not really, but first of all, thank you to everybody in the uh, chat who's wishing me a welcome back. I'm happy to be back. I have been gone for a while, and um, I had a little bit of an Easter egg the last time I was in Economics on Tap because I did a Bhutanese cocktail uh, at the time, and because I went to Bhutan, and then I brought back Bhutanese whiskey, which is a thing. Who knew? Um, I also had quite a few Bhutanese wines while I was there, and those were tasty. Um, It's yeah, apparently they import the grapes from South Africa and then blend the wine there. But the whiskey mm. they, for real, make, it says Essence of the Himalayas. It's K5 after, like, mountains. So um, it's pretty good to sip, but I'm using it to make a, a Manhattan today. So nice. um, what about you? Uh, I am drinking a beer. Uh, Ellen, Ellen Rolf, as I'm sure, is just completely frustrated with me because every, every uh, what, Thursday morning really early, she sends a note to me and Kimberly and says, hey, what are you drinking uh, tomorrow afternoon? And Kimberly says, I'm doing an upside-down uh, frabba-jabba cocktail with uh, 14 different kind of herbs. <laughs> and I say, I'm having beer. And Ellen writes back and says, what kind? And I say, I don't know yet. So, Ellen, I'm really sorry. I'm really sorry. Uh, I'm having a big yikes. I'm having a big, yikes, hazy double India pale ale from Modern Times Brewing. Um, it's quite tasty. I'm going to have a couple more because uh, my mother-in-law is coming over for dinner, and, you know, that's what I'm going to do. You know, we've been working that's on these economic doing. anthems. I feel like we need economic-themed cocktails. Remember how when there was the whole oh, yeah. um, um, meme stocks thing and we did the stonk tales? Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. I feel like big yikes could often be a beer on theme with totally. things going on in the economy. Totally, totally, totally. <laughs> All right. Um, I guess now we should probably get to some news. Why don't you we go should. first, Kai? We should. 
All right, so mine is, and I promise this is the last time I will talk about this. It's just a pet peeve of mine. It's also sports, as many of my pet peeves have been the last number of weeks. So the whole football, the whole the whole um, college sports conference realignment thing came, I think, to its denouement today when Stanford and uh, the University of California, Berkeley, uh, and also SMU, but I don't care about them because they're not here uh, and they're closer to the East Coast. And I'll explain why that matters in a minute. But Stanford and the University of California, Berkeley, were invited to join the Atlantic Coast Conference. Now, if you've been listening to this podcast or reading any kind of news, you know that there's a tectonic shift underway in college sports, conference realignment. It's all driven by television money, and it irritates me deeply for a lot of reasons, which I'll get into in about a second. But I do need to point out that from the Stanford University football stadium to the Pacific Ocean is 15 miles as the crow flies. 15 miles. And yet in in uh, the 24, 25, or 25, 26 season, they're going to be members of the Atlantic Coast Conference. Okay? okay. That makes no sense. It's a disservice <laughs> to the student-athletes at Stanford and Cal. It's a disservice to athletes uh, in other conferences. And this whole thing makes me really frustrated because it absolutely gives lie to the fact that this is all about student-athletes and it's all about the the joy and the motivation of sport. And yes, I know college football has been about that for a long time. It hasn't been about that for a long time. But look, if you're a field hockey player at Cal or a women's soccer player at UCLA now and you're going, they've joined a different conference and you're traveling to the East Coast to play a lot of your games, it it's it's a pain in the butt and you're traveling and you've got exams and all this stuff. Exactly. And and this just stinks. But here's what really frustrates me about this. <clears throat> there has been the, 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 oh, I love this word, the palimpsest of uh, college sports being about amateurism and college athletes. It's, it's a, it's a uh, almost translucent covering, a almost false front, a thing that you can't really oh. see through, right? So it has been that way. Palimpsest, P-A-L-I-M-P-S-E-S-T, palimpsest. Um, anyway, okay, thank you. it's been that way in college sports for a long time, and we all kind of did a wink and a nod. But now I think the Band-Aid has been ripped off, if I can torture a metaphor even farther, and it's all about the money. And nobody cares about this money, and the adults who are supposed to be in charge of these kids, with air quotes, right, because they're 18, 19, 20-year-old fully grown adults, but you know what I mean, they're doing it for the money, and they don't give a good God bleepity bleep 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 about the student athletes and that just it depresses me and i think that stinks i had no idea this was happening um so thank you for that overview but yeah man yeah that sucks for those kids anyway. fully grown it adults sorry not kids yeah. um because yeah. just like they're putting their bodies through so much anyway and so then to exactly. add that kind of travel to it is no fun at all That's what I'm okay well mine is you know a little still more policy because I'm getting back into right. my policy group yeah. over here. Um, and so the Biden administration is out with some new uh, proposals to make minimum staffing requirements at nursing homes. And oh, yeah. the way that the Biden administration and other presidential administrations in the past can force hospitals and nursing homes to do things is to tie funding from Medicare and Medicaid to different proposals. Kind of like, um, you know, with seatbelts, where it's like, well, if you want mm -hmm. highway money, you have to change your seatbelt laws. Or if you want, you know, money from, I believe, I believe it was Medicare at the time. It may have been Medicaid. Um, 
the White House at one point used the bludgeon of that funding to force hospitals mm-hmm. to integrate in the Deep South. So this is something that has been done over and over again. So now um, the Biden administration is saying that they need to have these minimum staffing requirements for nursing homes. Understaffing at nursing homes has been a huge issue. Yeah. And the people who often work there are paid not very much, and it's very hard work, and it gets to be very hard to recruit people for those jobs and to keep people in those jobs. And people, particularly during the pandemic, had a really hard time if you were working in a nursing home. And so this is interesting because, of course, the industry is howling about these proposed staffing requirements for that exact reason. They're like, we're doing our best, we're trying to hire, this, that, and the other, and there is indeed a staffing shortage and an actual labor shortage in this industry. That said, a lot of these for-profit companies are very profitable, and one could argue, Mm -hmm. you know, siphon some of those profits and pay your people more, you can make it work. But it will be very um, fascinating to see how this plays out. It's in the comment period now, but um, this is going to be such... It already is, but it's going to increasingly become such a huge issue as more and more um, boomers sort of continue to age and a lot of them age away from their family members or don't yeah. have very much family. And our nursing home system is not equipped at the moment. Could I just ask an uninformed question here? And it goes like mm. this. Is it not also news that there hasn't previous there haven't previously been minimum staffing standards for nursing homes? Mm, I think there Let's see. It's the first ever national staffing rule. There's there's state level staffing rules. Um, It's the national standard that's new. Um, Way, way back in the day of my early, early um, career in journalism, when I was in college, I did this undergraduate research program um, called the McNair Scholars. And one of my Mm -hmm. research projects was about... um, absentee voting in nursing homes, believe it or not. Oh, wow, um, yeah. And no, how, totally interesting, right? Think about that for a minute. Right, because you have lots of people, registered voters, totally. living in nursing homes and totally. getting their ballots, and it's a very mm-hmm. sort of dodgy situation about mm-hmm. who is actually mm-hmm. filling out those ballots and sending them back, and I'm not conspiracy theorying at all but um you know it was very it was a very interesting topic to look into and that was back in like what was it 2002 or something like that Hmm. so anyway so yeah nursing homes interesting topic all right um that's it that's what i got for news you yeah we good no i'm done i'm done we're gonna gonna take a quick break uh and when we come Mm -hmm. back drew yes i'm stepping on you i apologize i know it's okay right there in the rundown that's all uh, right. Anyway, Drew's, Drew's here. He's going to take charge and save Kimberly and me from ourselves. We all want to be our best selves, but it can be an expensive journey. From experimenting with alternative medicine. I was working with a natural, holistic nutritionist and never really thought about the cost. To splurging on fast fashion. I was spending like all my tips. I was definitely spending like $200 a week. I'm Rima Hreis, host of Marketplace's This Is Uncomfortable. This season, we explore the cost of self-care and the real motivations behind our spending choices. Listen to This Is Uncomfortable wherever you get your podcasts.
Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. Half full, half empty is the game. Thank goodness gracious Drew Jostad is here. Drew, go. Are you half full or half empty on the return of the business lunch? Oh, so this was an interview I did with a Wall Street Journal reporter this week in which slowly but surely business lunches are coming back as office occupancy rates rise, but it's still a little awkward as it always has been. Uh, there's a whole, you know, three or four years worth of people, well, two or three years worth of people who don't know what business lunches are like because they entered the workforce in, in the middle of it. Um, and it's not just lunches, of course, it's cocktail hours and happy hours and business dinners. Um, I'm half full because I'm, I'm so over the whole empty offices and, and we can never see each other again. That's, that's my thing. Hmm. I'm really torn on this one, actually. Um, hmm. How come? Because, like, there's so many nuances to a business lunch that can make things harder and mm -hmm. also make mm -hmm. things operate differently. So there's the etiquette, there's the power imbalances, there's who's paying, there's the what your company will pay for versus what it won't. And is that really the mm -hmm. best use of company resources? Or, you know, here in Washington, the way a lot of people get around sort of um, rules about what you can and cannot give to people is by whining and dining them. And there's right. a lot of money that and experiences that end up changing hands simply through the conduit of the business lunch. That said, you know, it can help ease things and, and make business work. Mm -hmm. And it is really important for the economy of downtowns. So I'm going to say half full, despite some reservations. I never never uh, imagined I would have that many deep thoughts about it, but I do. That was that was a lot. But OK, yes, mm -hmm. yes. What Kimberly said. True. <laughs> All right, what's next? Okay, with the Beyonce and Taylor Swift tours, people are shopping around for the perfect outfit to wear to the show. Are you half full or half empty on concert glam attire? <laughs> Oh, I, honestly, I'm all the way full. I think people ought to do whatever makes them feel good in those moments. I mean, life is too short. Go to town. I, I'm, I'm not a dress-up person. I'm not a. I'm actually not a go to a concert guy, but that's a whole different thing. Uh, I'm half full, totally. Go for it. Whatever works for you. Yeah, I'm half full. Also, um, when I was doing some interviews yesterday for the story I was working on about, um, you know, the fact that uh, the PCE numbers showed increased spending on toys and games and recreational activities. Um, one of the economists I talked to was like, yeah, a lot of this is the Beyonce and Taylor Swift's concerts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And um, totally. I, um, I've been very sort of interested. I'm, I'm waiting for someone to do a comparative economic analysis of the relative economic impact of these two concert tours um, because oh, yeah, since Taylor me. Swift was first – there was so much coverage about 
what it was doing for the local economy when she came through yeah. and how it was a big bump and this, that, and the other. And I haven't heard the same kind of analysis for the Beyonce um, concerts and the Beyonce fans. And I don't know if that's a function of, like, you know, some people's internal bias or just because Taylor Swift was first. But I, I will be very interested to hear um, the comparative economic impact of these two different tours with pretty different um, fan bases coming through. Um, I think mm-hmm. there's different fan bases. I'm, I actually don't know that for a fact, but... Yeah, we'd, we'd, there would have to be some regression analysis for you know, mm-hmm. fan base demographics and all that jazz, right? But it'd be totally interesting. Be totally interesting. Also, um, by the way, it, sorry, just very charged, very, very charged. Mm. Right. Yes. Uh huh. Yes, for sure. Um, yeah. April McCaffrey yeah. says in the YouTube chat, in LA, they're not doing the shuttles for Beyonce that they did for Swift. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah. There yeah. you go. That, that's and, lame. Like, that's not great. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. Well, I'm half full on the concert outfits. I want people to enjoy their best lives because I know a lot of people saved up and worked really hard to be able to attend these totally. concerts. And it's, you should enjoy it to the fullest. You should, you should, you should a thousand percent have a good time. Absolutely. Yeah. All yeah. right. What's next? Okay. Tinder, Bumble, and other dating apps are developing premium subscription services. Are you half full or half empty? So what's interesting about this is that, yes, these dating services uh, are generating, you know, more revenue by doing the whole premium service thing up to, uh, I think it's $500 a month with Tinder. But what they're doing is market segmentation, right? If if you're going to pay $500 a month, they will give you X level of service. If you can only pay whatever it is a month, they're going to give you X level of service, which is what the Internet economy has done for a very long time. Think freemium and, and all that stuff. Um, I, I think it's super interesting and I, I'm, I guess I'm half full. I don't know. I don't know. My, my experience level obviously with online dating is zero, (laughs) zero, sub zero, negative, Arctic, like (laughs) zero Kelvin. That's okay. Well, as someone who has quite a bit of experience with online dating apps, I thought this story was interesting um, because there have been premium paid services on all these apps for ages at this point. Um, And so it seems like they're getting more expensive and they're moving more of more features into the paid version. What was the most interesting to me in that story that Megan did is that a lot of people are willing to pay because they have an unrealistic expectation for how long they're going to be on the app, which is the idea like I will pay for these benefits because it's only going to take me a month or two to find my person. Therefore, it doesn't matter if I shell out the $500. How do you know? Again, like false sense of expectation. And I mean, right, they're very right. good advertisements. And they're like, you're going to find your person. There's so many people on here. It's going to be great. Um, and so I, I understand why people do it. There was a story a while back here in the in D.C., I think it was like a year or two ago, about the amount of money that people in D.C. spend on matchmakers, which is oh a my lot. Yeah, a sure. lot. And, and then I read, and that service is apparently becoming more popular. So, I mean, look, people get to spend their money how they want to. I'm always going to be skeptical of how effective a service is when they make money off of you not being partnered, but the goal right. is for you to become partnered. So, right. I mean, the, right. it's sort of right. like real estate agents, you know, where the goal <laughs> is to 
sell you a house. You're supposedly your agent is supposed to get you the house the cheapest amount possible, but they make more money depending on how much you pay for the house, et cetera, et cetera. And so, you know, what a, yeah. Totally. Uh, totally. Half empty. <laughs> fair. Totally fair. You're the, uh, look, I, I, will, I will absolutely defer to you. A thousand percent. <laughs> okay, what's next? All right, are you half full or half empty on Brazil overtaking the United States as the world's top exporter of corn? So this was a story that Megan McCarty Carino did for us. I think it was yesterday. Uh, it's, you know, it's kind of about the rise of the rest. It's about uh, American agriculture and doing other things. Look, uh, this is a global economy. We just live here and let's get used to it. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going to go, I'm going to go half full and half empty at the same time. I'm, I'm status quo. How's that for a cop out? Yeah. Half full, because I think that it's a good idea for the global economy to be diversified and not have right. so many um, eggs in one basket or corn kernels mm-hmm. in one basket, as it were. <laughs> so, half full. Fair enough. Fair Couldn't enough. resist. Couldn't resist. All right, true. This, this, I got this the is the poll, one. yes, true. Oh, Correct. my goodness. All right, everybody get Save ready in the ourselves. WhatsApp. <laughs> All right. Uh, The FAA predicts that this is going to be the third busiest travel weekend of the year. Are you half full or half empty on traveling over Labor Day? Hmm. Only the third busiest? So Thanksgiving, Christmas? Well, I think think the third busiest so far, actually, was what it was. So oh. like oh. that, like Juneteenth oh. and Father's Day fell at the same time. So that was like a heavy travel weekend. Oh, is that right? Makes uh, sense. Yeah, this particular year. Wow, wow. But the TSA predicts eleven percent year-over-year growth uh, from last year. Sorry. So restate the question. What is the proposition? Uh, the proposition uh, is half full or half empty on traveling over Labor Day. Huh. I did not have Labor Day in, in my bingo card of, of travel-intensive holidays. So I honestly do not know what to make of this. While hmm. we're waiting to give our responses, people in the chat want to know what's in your Costco boxes. So look, so here's the deal. I'm, I, I, I'm in... So, all right, so yeah, so sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull up the... Uh, okay, sorry, going to full screen here. Hold on. I'm going to select myself... Well, whatever, screw it. Uh, so, uh, I'm in a shed attached to my garage. And not too long ago, I discovered a leak in the oh, roof. Oh, no! Of, yes, yes. And, and as you know, we've been having a lot of rain here in L.A., most particularly in the last, like, 10 days with that tropical storm. So, I discovered a leak in the roof of the shed, which is the roof of the shed. Uh, uh. Here's the sound booth that I don't use anymore. And so, here <laughs> is the... Um, the leak and thankfully it's dry but in order to clear up that space i had to do all of that stuff and so you know so those are all dining room chairs from my apartment in ottawa like 30 years ago and there's the heater when i use it when it's cold i mean you know there's all kinds of stuff going on that is perhaps more than you wanted to know but um but that's what's going on with the costco boxes oh i should also tell you sorry wait one more thing the reason the reason we have all this crap in costco boxes sorry bridget if i swore and your daughter's in the car uh, is that my my wife has an in-house improvement project going, sorry, 
um, where she is replacing all the cabinets in the family room. And of course, the cabinets in any family room contain all of the stuff, all the all old of the stuff. flower vases all the stuff. and all the old medicines and all the old like placemats. And that is all now in these boxes behind me. So that's what's going on there. More perhaps than you needed to know, but I think we've killed enough time. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> well, I should probably use this moment to explain the reason there's no Jasper action today is because I do not have a bed at the moment. <laughs> mm. um, I'm getting oh a new bed, and my old one has been taken out, and I have the pieces of the bed, the new bed behind me, and so I'm waiting to get that assembled. And so that is why there are stacks of pillows and no actual bed behind me. So oh my God. there we go. All right. That has been go. enough right. time. So, this yeah, is, that has been enough time. What was the question so, so again? Courtney, I forgot. Yeah. <laughs> Drew, save us from ourselves again. Traveling for Labor Day. You personally right. traveling for Labor Day. How Half would you feel empty. if you were going I avoid, to travel? I avoid heavy travel days whenever I can. So half empty for me. So you know that's so funny. I'm I'm agnostic. I I don't have a decision on this one because Labor Day is not a holiday that I would worry about. I worry about Thanksgiving and, and Christmas, and, and not Labor Day. So I I refuse to vote. How about that? Uh, but here's what it looks like in the poll, by the way. I know. I just I ref I'm standing up for myself, Kimberly. God. I love it. That's Polls the hill without, you're dying on. That is the hill I'm dying on. 163 votes out of 298 people listening. Half empty on traveling on Labor Day. 80%, 80%, half full, 19%. Wow. Well, there you go. So, there you, you know, go. I, I, we, we have found our tribe. <laughs> we totally, 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 totally. Yes, My yes, goodness. yes. Oh, this is a good point. What? Megan O'Hare says if you live in a tourist area, it can be bad. That makes a lot of sense. Well, like, that's fair. I live in a that's very totally tourist town. So, you, that's like that's made a definition. Yeah. Yes. Totally. All right. All right. So, oh my goodness. Well, so we're done now. Finally, I know it's been 25 minutes. Uh, we're out Monday for Labor Day. We're taking the day off. Um, here's the thing, though, and I can't quite believe this. Next Friday is going to be our 1,000th episode, which is a lot of episodes. Um, be here. We're going to do something. I don't know what it is, but hopefully Marissa and Bridget and Courtney have a clue because I don't. That's all I'm saying. It's going to be special, and we'll we we may entertain some requests for. Episode 1000. Uh, so in the meantime, what we want to know is what are some of your favorite episodes, guests, moments from the last oh, thousand shows? Leave us a voicemail Jeez. at 508-UB-SMART or email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. We can't wait to hear from you. And feel free to reach as far back in your memory as mm -hmm. your little heart desires. Yeah, for reals. Honestly, because... Y'all probably have better what ideas. A journey. Oh what a journey. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergsicker, who right now is questioning her life choices. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe. Our intern is Neil Bandy. Drew Jastad wrote the theme music for our game, Half Full and Half Empty. <laughs> the team behind Half Full, Half Empty is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner is a director of podcast. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of digital and on demand. It occurs to me it's actually half full or half empty. It's not half full and half empty. Unless, unless I decide to waffle and not actually do anything. I mean, what it says in the script is half full slash half empty. So, I mean, we could just yeah, say that. So, yeah. yeah, I suppose. <laughs>